Welcome to Creative Place, the podcast for creative placemakers. I'm your host, Andrea Orlando. In this conversation, you'll learn what creative placemaking looks like in Alaska. We had a conversation with Julie Decker, CEO and Director of the Anchorage Museum, and Bodil Hjelstrup, Administrative Leader of the Northern Norway Art Museum, who is currently working in Alaska in collaboration with the Anchorage Museum's new Solutions for Energy and Equity Design Lab. The conversation touches on a number of ways communities in the Arctic Circle can use art and design to shift the narrative around climate change and culture. The occasion for our chat was the 2019 Pacific Creative Placemaking Leadership Summit in June in Los Angeles, where the two offered a workshop on art and design in equitable community solutions. The Anchorage Museum boasts an impressive collection of native art. How have you incorporated creative placemaking from concept to curation to installation? So the Anchorage Museum is actually an encyclopedic museum, which means we talk about place through art history, science, culture, design, you name it. We're a place-based institution, so we are interested in um, the different ways disciplines can help tell stories about place. Um, For places in the north and places like Alaska, the indigenous history and indigenous communities um, and the continuum of that culture is critical to understanding place. It always has been and I think it always will be. So the museum's collection does focus a lot on contemporary indigenous artwork and as we launch into placemaking efforts as we have for the last decade, we know that indigenous values and indigenous knowledge is at the core of what we do. And so we have another person here with us. Can you tell me who she is? We're very pleased to have Budil Hellstrup with us. She's from the Northern Norway Art Museum, uh, which is a critical partner of ours as we work across the Circumpolar North. We know that Northern places have a lot to share in terms of knowledge and experience. And Budil is here working with us as a curator for our Seed Lab project, which is our primary creative placemaking project. And can you tell me how you met? Uh, We met uh, five years ago through a network of institutions, art institutions uh, that work in the Circumpolar North. So through that we have had several meetings and also the two museums have worked together on a couple of projects uh, both uh, that has been shown in Anchorage and also shown in Norway. Mm -hmm. What is the name of the museum in Norway? Uh, In Norwegian it's Nordnorsk Kunstmuseum, that means Northern Norway Art Museum. So, Julie, what are the social challenges that the museum is addressing through art? Well, the North is a host for a lot of issues that are local and global at the same time. A place where climate change is visceral and visible. There's communities throughout Alaska and throughout northern regions throughout the Arctic that are experiencing climate change at an incredibly rapid pace. There's an exploration of what the next economies are going to be for northern places. What does it look like to have hybrid economies with oil and future fuels? And what does post-oil look like? Those are big questions. Northern places are also um, places for migration and immigration. And there's social issues and economic issues about how we empower all people and make the north a a viable and vibrant home for a lot of different people. And as I mentioned, um, they're indigenous homelands for multiple indigenous cultures and languages. That's a 
a continuum for northern places and for Alaska. And we think that if we look at our environmental, social, economic problems that, and find some solutions or prototypes some ways forward that um, those are relevant not just to our place but to the globe. I heard yesterday in one of the workshops that you can actually feel the effects of climate change right now in Alaska. Absolutely, and it, that's been true for decades. Mm. Um, it's it's not invisible, it's not abstract to people in Alaska. On the western coast of Alaska, there are villages that are needing to relocate due to coastal erosion. Uh, the permafrost is melting, which affects our infrastructure throughout uh, northern regions in the state. Sea levels are rising, rivers are rising, forest fires are increasing. Um, but just on a day-to-day level, it affects the precipitation that we see. When I grew up in Anchorage, we would have a lot of snow by Halloween. So by the end of October, you could count on it being cold and winter and full of snow, and I love winter. And now we can go um, into January without a heavy snowfall. And so it's visual, Um, you notice it every day. Temperatures are rising in the summer. It's just not the same place. And I think that makes it very hard to think of it abstractly. It makes it very hard to deny that something has changed on our planet. And it also makes it incredibly urgent to think about how do we adapt to that kind of new future. And we see that also now that we have, uh, the project started in, in May this year, and we already initiated quite a lot of conversations with different communities. And what we see already is that people are working on their language on a personal basis on how to explain this that this is something that they do actually experience and are building a stronger approach to it as individuals, as communities, and working on their language to actually talk about it in a way that they can cope with it and approach how to, to meet the challenges. I met a guy uh, two days ago that uh, on a mapping session that we were doing said that uh, I no longer know how to explain winter. Mm. So there's definitely something that is, there's a huge awareness of on an individual and community level. Yeah. And I think part of the SIBA project is about language, as Budio mentions, because some people think of it as the, you know, the ice caps melting and icebergs and something that they don't experience and haven't seen. But with SeaLab, we make sure we talk about climate change in a way that's about our everyday, and that affects individual people and their homes and the way they transport themselves to work and the cost of, of living in places and how we get our food and the kind of plants that grow that sustain us. Because these are human life ways that are affected, and I think we need to bring it down to the human level for people to want to take action and to really have an awareness and an understanding. And by doing that also, we actually um, have a focus not only on, on the physical aspects of it, but how we as communities and, and people approach these challenges and choose to live together in the, in the years to come, approaching a, a different world. Yeah. Can you explain for us what Seed Lab is? Is it an acronym, SEED? It started as an acronym and then we used it to think more broadly. So it started as solutions for energy and equity through design. And we do believe that creative thinking and creative placemaking is the center, so thus the design, but it also means that it's intentional. We are interested in equity because climate change affects those most vulnerable most severely. Um, so it's important to think of climate change as, um, again, something that affects people on an everyday basis and some more than others. And then solutions is critical to us because 
people don't know what to do about these, you know, this great planetary experiment that we're undertaking. And so we, we want to shift creative thinking and creative practitioners into a place where we are thinking about how do we adapt. We've identified the problem. We know what the challenges are. So what are the creative solutions moving forward? And how do we start to think about radical invention and ways to, ways to live in our future? How does somebody walking into the museum experience the Seed Lab? So Seed Lab is a space. It's a building across from the museum. Um, It's in downtown Anchorage, so um, it's visible to people on their daily commute, and they will see the building. Um, You can see that it's a bit of a... You know, it's creating a campus for the museum, but we want it to feel and look very different from the museum. It's important that it's a space that's incredibly accessible, that's community-driven. The museum is a community institution, and for years we've been working on new ways of, of doing outreach and adding capacity to our community. And Seed Lab was an important step for us because we were able to say, the community needs a space to have these conversations, to think about the future, to work together, and to create create something that's visible and tangible that represents that as a uh, is an important step mm-hmm. and also uh, they will uh, experience the project in the communities within Anchorage uh, the municipality of Anchorage as well so it's not that everything needs to happen in the building that is just the base we might just as well work at a school at a shopping mall in a traffic crossroad we can be all over Anchorage in many different forms as well Mm-hmm. So uh, for us, the building's a statement. It's a message that this this is work that's going on, that's happening, that's important to the city. The city's an important partner of ours with the Bloomberg Public Art Challenge grant. And Bloomberg is supporting the work of Seed Lab um, in partnership with the city to show that the arts and creative placemaking can have a positive impact on cities and create positive change. So we work hand-in-hand with the city government, the mayor's office, um, city departments to embed creative thinking in creative placemaking and ideas around art into the solutions everybody's working to create for the city. So on your website, it says that the Seed Lab is connecting people and ideas in radical and transformative ways. (laughs) Can you, either of you or both of you, give me an example of one or two of those radical and transformative ways? I'll speak to the radical and transformative words and Budil can add to that and talk about projects that we're undertaking. In having these conversations, we really think it's important to make a shift, that we need to change the way people are having conversations, we need to change who's included in those conversations, we need to think radically, and there's probably a lot of other words that can be used in addition to radical, but we find that important because it helps people understand we're talking about a paradigm shift that we are really moving away from a damage-centered narrative to something that's catastrophic and helpless to something that's empowered and that really is about inventing something new, including just the way um, we talk and bring people together. So we want this work to be transformative for our place, for other places, and that's a critical part of the work. So we find ourselves nudging people in conversations and in thinking and and in making to really do something new, to take this as an opportunity to see the advantage and like flipping that dial and really thinking radically. And I think that uh, that reflects in many of the projects that we are working on already in the uh, since we started in May and both on the concept of how we work together that the dialogue between the communities and the artists and us as a 
collaborator in the city. It's it's a joint effort to to uh, and a joint uh, platform from where we will make the project. It's not an artist that will come in and do a project and then leave. This is we believe in a dialogue. We believe that we are all starting at the table with kind of the same position. And from there, we will create whatever is best for the community or that focus that that project has. So it's a, something that is very iterative. It starts with a dialogue. So we put a lot of uh, power back to, to the people and their voices on, uh, in the groups that are collaborating. Uh, so uh, the outcome can be in a wide variety. It can be uh, a physical thing, but it might just as well be a thought or a, uh, that goes into policy, suggestion, etc. So we have no limits in the project of what comes out of it. Mm -hmm. It is a process that uh, demands a lot of people because you go in there with a, you need to go in with an open mind. You need to listen and you need to create together. Mm -hmm. And that has to be something that is a suggestion for the future, mm -hmm. not something that is kind of explaining what is today. And all those things is kind of, it's, it's stretching our capacity for dialogue and, uh, and approaches. What types of artists are you working with in terms of the art that they practice? Um, it's uh, everyone and everything. We're open to social practice artists who um, may have a, a more muscle for working in this kind of community space, but also photographers and videographers and sculptors and, and writers. writers and musicians and performance artists. And we had Emily Johnson with us, who's a performance artist who works with land acknowledgement and, and indigenous communities. And again, and some who will work across Instagram and social media platforms. So for us, it's not the form that the artwork will take. It's the artist's ability to be part of that process where they're co-creating with a community and really listening to what the community, community identifies as the issues, to what the community might see as solutions, and then to help that community, these communities, envision what that might look like in the future in a way that exemplifies positive change. And that can also be like very small uh, project and, and larger projects as well. So the form of the size and how many people should be involved or uh, how big the outcome is, is not defined. So we're doing parallel things and have many projects going at the same time. And so you said that this started in May, correct? We had our soft opening for the space in May, so yeah. <laughs> We've been thinking about the project for a long time. The building's been under construction and we are super excited to start public activities in the first floor of the space in May. And so, have any performances come come out thus far, or is that still in the works? Performances or exhibits or? Yes, we're not interested in exhibits in the way a traditional museum would think about exhibitions because it's work in the communities, and we hope that neighborhoods start to see activity based on these projects. We've had dozens of conversations. We had a repair workshop. We had Emily Johnson, as I mentioned, who had a performance addressing land acknowledgement and personal storytelling. And we have a project underway to create an atlas for the future. Um, we talked about housing. We've worked with a group called Bike Anchorage on thinking about how transportation can affect the way we live in a new climate. We are looking at food distribution and many different ways uh, through dialogues and uh, what is needed to, to take the step from B 
being a minor producer to actually getting access to market and what kind of role can an artist and designer play in that transformation and that uh, journey. And we're doing a, setting up a day where people can once a week drop by and uh, repair something, mend something. So that is one of those small things but important things where start changing our perspective uh, on, on the little uh, approaches in our life uh, related to uh, how we can improve the lifespan of our products uh, in Alaska because we do import almost all of our products uh, to the north. So how can we make a longer life uh, for things that we actually bring up to Alaska? That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so do you find people who know how to repair consumer products and, and bring them in? Uh, Anchorage has a very vital and a very strong art scene and there's a lot of artists and designers uh, in the city uh, that we have a very positive dialogue with and who's uh, contributing to making this happen. Uh, so we will uh, invite people to bring things that they need to mend and uh, we will show them techniques and we will sit around the table and work on it together as well as that gives an incredible opportunity for chatting and talking about uh, what we actually are doing. Why, are we, why is it important to give a longer life to these uh, products? That really is radical. It's, it, it, and in a way, old-fashioned. Indeed. Right? Oh, we should all have that. Alaska. In every city. <laughs> Alaska is a place that has been uh, depending on, on finding solutions to those issues. Uh, has always looked for opportunities to expand the lifetime uh, of their products. And that is something that we want to revitalize, that knowledge. And that also that feeling and that proudness of, of doing it. Uh, being, giving a value to a long life of a product. Finding new ways to approach approach a solution to it, being imaginative and creative. Mm -hmm. uh, in northern places, everything's imported and then it's hard to send things away when their life is over. So we think Alaska is an incredible, and other northern places are incredible DIY cultures. And um, you work with your neighbor to repair everything from your roof to your satellite. Um, so there's this really hands-on knowledge, and we think just building a narrative around that and saying why that's important, and why that even that knowledge is a tool for for the globe in um, building towards the future. So, you know, identifying the strengths and and creating storytelling around them, and and putting those tools in the hands of every person is, I think, a really interesting way at look, of looking at our future. Well, we we are so incredibly lucky that you decided to travel to Los Angeles to be here. And I know that you're, you're teaching a workshop, yeah. correct? Yes, yeah. we're talking about radical placemaking this afternoon. Awesome, yeah. yeah, so I'm definitely gonna attend. Nice. And since I haven't attended yet, I wonder if you could give me a little sneak peek into what you hope to impart to those of us in the lower 48. We are uh, focusing the workshop on, on three different elements, and that is uh, place, uh, the project, and uh, people. I think that those three elements are the cores of our core of our project, and we're trying uh, through this workshop to actually kind of tweak our perceptions and go towards uh, understanding radical as a positive thing, understanding that we need to have a radical approach to the climate changes that we see and kind of. Uh, nudge people to think what is radical in their life, how can they have a radical approach uh, 
uh, in their own life related to climate crisis. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that you're taking this time with me. Thank you. And I'll see you later. We'll see you this afternoon. Thank yeah, you very much. You're welcome. You've been listening to Creative Place, produced by the National Consortium for Creative Placemaking. Follow us on social media at CP Communities or visit our website at cpcommunities.org and let us know what you'd like to hear about.